0: This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about the structured settlement industry from the experts in the know. Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years, and the only broker you need. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, Mass Mutual, MetLife. New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now, join Ringler Radio host, Larry Cohen.
1: Welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, from Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and I want to thank you again for joining us today. Remember, you can find all the Ringler Radio shows on our website, ringlerassociates.com or on thelegaltalknetwork.com. And now, as an added bonus, you get CLE credit for listening to Ringler Radio on Law.com's CLE Center, so take advantage of that. Well, today we're coming to you from the 2007 Annual Convention of the American Association for Justice being held this year in beautiful downtown Chicago. And for all of you who have not been to Chicago lately, I certainly encourage you to come because uh, it's, I don't think it's ever looked as good. It's uh, bright, shiny, and, uh, and terrific. Well, joining me today as my co-host is Ken Claypack who's a Ringler Associate from our Chicago office. You really had to come a long way, Ken, huh? A
2: little different this year.
1: <laughs> Ken's a settlement annuity specialist. Uh, prior to joining Ringler Associates, he practiced law in the Chicago area for over 19 years. And for the past seven years, he was a partner in the law firm of McCardle Frost, and Claypack. He specialized in representing plaintiffs in wrongful death and catastrophic injury cases. And now he helps uh, manage their settlement awards, which is,
2: uh, I think, a good thing. Ken, welcome to uh, Ringler Radio. Thank you, Larry. It's good to be back in the air with you. Even better yet, I have the privilege of introducing a uh, former guest, now our current guest again, Jeffrey Goldberg. Uh, Jeff is the founder of Jeffrey M. Goldberg Law Offices, located in Chicago. And Jeff concentrates in substantial medical malpractice, product liability, aviation, and other personal injury litigation. Welcome, Jeff.
3: Good morning. Thanks a lot for inviting me back. Enjoyed being here.
2: You know, Jeff, uh, if you're back here three
1: times, you get special parting gifts. I want you to <laughs> know that. that... No, nothing for two, though. No, nothing for two. That's the reason we've never had a guest three times. Story and of my life. We don't, we don't want to give away the gifts. That's exactly why. Well, today on Ringler Radio, we're going to really discuss the state of the healthcare industry uh, with you, Jeff, uh, and healthcare litigation, what's happening, and how tort reform is affecting the lives of uh, a lot of the clients who are victims of problematic healthcare uh, industry practices. But I thought it would be good if we could focus our discussion by referring to a very specific and tragic case from Los Angeles that kind of sets the tone for what's going on today. Uh, This is the case of a woman who was uh, bleeding on the emergency room floor of a troubled inner city hospital and who died after uh, 9-11 dispatchers refused to contact paramedics or an ambulance to take her to another facility. Uh, This woman died of a perforated bowel at Martin Luther King uh, Harbor Hospital. Her death was ruled accidental by the Los Angeles County Coroner's Office, but she was bleeding from the mouth and writhing in pain for evidently 45 minutes while she was at the hospital waiting area. Experts have said she could have survived had she been treated early enough but seemed to have been totally neglected in that process. So, Jeff, how could all this have been prevented?
3: Unfortunately, this is a state of our health care system today, And with their legislatures trying to reduce the ability of people to seek compensation in medical malpractice cases, I think it may only get worse. What we see is all the hospitals across this country are building big buildings. They're all expanding. There's not a hospital I walk into today that's not under construction. Yet, on the other hand, they're cutting back on the residence hours. They're cutting back on the doctors. They're cutting back on the nursing staff. They've got outrageous caseloads for the nurses. And what they're doing is trying to make excess profits and denying people the care they need. Mm -hmm. If you walk into an emergency room today, they say they're going to triage you immediately and the important people will be taken care of immediately. I don't know what could be more important than a woman laying bleeding on the floor in an emergency room. Tragic that in our country, one of the greatest countries in this world, A woman comes in the emergency room where she should get treated, and has to call an ambulance or try to call an ambulance to take her someplace else because that emergency room won't give her care.
1: Are you aware? Is that was that a profit or non-profit hospital that she was at?
3: Should profit or non-profit enter into our discussion? No. She comes into a hospital that's, and that's one of the issues here. Mm -hmm. The non-profit hospitals are saying we sometimes don't have the funds to do this, and all this is a problem. We've got to staff the hospitals, and we've got to provide global care in this country to anyone that walks into a hospital. We need to protect the rights of the people, and we need to, in emergency situations like this, not worry about whether there's going to be a nickel or dime paid, but take care of somebody and stabilize them.
2: Jeff, uh, do you see this becoming more the norm than the
3: exception? I don't want to ever think that it's going to become the norm. I hope we're never at that state. What I see, though, however, is repeated... uh, offenses like this and I see more of it and what I'm not sure about because I've only been doing this 30 years is this the what was the norm coming out and would be, it's coming more to the front forefront because we're learning more about it or are there changes I think there are unfortunately some changes going on because of the cutbacks that insurance companies are requiring of the hospitals the insurance companies want early discharges of people they tried in California to have newborns discharged in 24 hours and it was the insur- the plaintiff's attorneys and some of the good doctors in the country that took on that fight against the insurance companies, that you cannot just discharge somebody on a time clock. You have to discharge them when they're stable.
1: It sounds to me like what you're saying is that the nonprofits aren't getting enough funding and the profits are cutting corners to increase profits, and, and therefore everybody's suffering in the meantime. So where's the accountability here? How, who, how are we going to solve this?
3: The, the accountability is the entire health care system, which is why medical malpractice legislation, litigation is so important. Unless they know there can be lawsuits filed against them and they will be held accountable, they're, they're free to run rampant. The legislature mm-hmm. is not doing anything to cut back on them. The government is not imposing penalties or fines. When we have offenses and the legisla- the litigation of individual citizens, just like this country has always been founded, individual citizens rally in the streets. Individual citizens bring their cases to the courts. We need the courts to equalize the power of the little person that died, the brain injured child that I represent a lot, against the big insurance companies and healthcare industry.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, Ken, why don't you uh, you know you've known Jeff for a number of years here. Why don't you talk a little bit more about the
2: uh, his role in the healthcare industry. Well, we'll bring it on a local level. Jeff and I, both being from Chicago in the state of Illinois, uh, almost two years ago, I know our state legislator uh, brought uh, tort reform in terms of caps on non-economic damages in malpractice cases. It so happens that Jeff has the leading case that is uh, challenge, challenging the constitutionality of uh, that legislation. Jeff, could you bring us up to date on uh, the status? Sure. Uh, two years ago, the health care industry, trying to show its true
3: power, convinced the Illinois legislature to pass tort reform. They tried it 10 years ago. We had it declared unconstitutional. They came back and did it again, which I think shows you a little bit about the power of the healthcare care industry today. They want to give doctors and hospitals special privileges. You and I driving cars are exposed to full liability if we cause an injury. They want to make sure the doctors and hospitals don't have to pay for what they do wrong because they know they're doing things wrong. What they imposed was new caps on recoveries. They tried to put in a cap to artificially limit the ability of someone to seek compensation. Mm -hmm. What they're really saying is, we trust the public in this country to elect our president, to elect the legislatures, We trust the people of this country. That's what this country has been formed on. We don't have, the king is not the law. The law is the king. Mm -hmm. The juries are important. What they want to do is limit the juries and take away from the people we trust to elect our officials, but say they're not smart enough to decide what damages should be for an individual, young man, young woman, baby, husband, Mm -hmm. wife, anyone, what's fair compensation. The public in this country is reasonable. They're they're intelligent, and to deny the juries. So what the legislature did was part, pass artificial caps, artificial limits to inhibit that ability. We filed a case about a little over a year ago. We filed a case to challenge those caps to hold the legislation unconstitutional so we can go back to the common law and go back to allowing the juries to do justice and to apply justice and to apply their common sense intelligence to assess fair and reasonable damages as they do in automobile cases, in antitrust cases, it's interesting. The healthcare industry wants to limit our ability to sue the injured person, but they don't limit their own ability to sue each other, or to sue one another, or to collect their bills from us if they think we haven't paid it fairly. Their ability shouldn't be limited. Only my injured clients.
1: Well, it's also—I'm uh, sure you're seeing—in the medical malpractice arena, the, the the tremendous expense you have to go through to bring these cases uh, with with the discovery and the, and the experts and the and the multi-depositions. Uh, I guess it means you're going to be very selective in the kind of cases you can take.
3: That's one, one of the problems. If you look in various states that have had legislation passed caps, medical malpractice cases go down substantially. Why? Not medical malpractice doesn't go down. Injured people, the numbers of people don't go down. The number of people that can see compensation goes down. Why? Because they put limits and they inhibit your ability to sue. They make sure that you cannot see compensation, and the doctors and
2: hospitals can go on business as normal. Amazing. Jeff, is there a timetable, a rough timetable as to when you think your case will be heard? We, We are pretty confident the case
3: will be heard and argued. We're in the briefing stage right now. We're finishing up that. We're hoping that the hearing date will be set within the next 30 to 60 days. And following the ruling, which we hope will be in our favor from the trial court level, it should be a direct appeal to the
2: Illinois Supreme Court. And that would hopefully be resolved within the next year. I also want to uh, draw some focus here, Jeff. I ha- happen to know you uh, professionally, personally, uh, both as an attorney, now as a uh, structured settlement person. I know the tremendous job you do for your uh, clients. Uh, but I just want to alert our audience that, you know, aside from the multi-million dollar verdicts, the settlements, uh, taking care of injured, brain-injured children, you also give back. And I know you're the past president of the TLPJ Foundation. Uh, the organization had name changed, It's now called the Public Justice Foundation, and you remain a member of the executive board of that association. Uh, I'm proud to belong to that association. Currently, what's going on uh, with the Public Justice Foundation? Th- thanks for
3: giving me a chance to speak.
2: Uh, what was trial
3: orders for public justice, we've changed our name to public justice, not because we changed who we are, we haven't changed what we do, we just changed the name Public justice is America's largest public interest law firm. We don't have only one avenue that we fight in, nor one locale. We fight nationwide, civil rights, environmental issues, um, voting issues, any type of issue that the public needs. We are fighting cases where detainees are denied medical care. We have two cases going on right now. We're fighting environmental mountaintop mining in the southeast. We're fighting civil the WTO, the World Trade Organization, First Amendment rights constitutional challenge in Seattle, Washington. We just won that. We're fighting a huge case, and we just got a wonderful ruling on this, where in some of the largest consumer cases, the telephones, your own little wireless telephone, they have a clause in there that you cannot file a class action lawsuit if your billing is off. Well, if your billing is off $10 or $15, obviously no one individual can handle that case, but and they tried to deny you the right to file class action. Public justice has fought that fight, and we're leading the fight around the nation to make sure that the doors to the courthouse will remain open, that they cannot prohibit class actions, they cannot force us into arbitration, and that we will be allowed to pursue our courts in the halls of
2: justice. I'd like to point out to our listening audience that it's a great organization. I think it often gets confused with trial bar associations, and it's not. It's a public law firm that does a lot of good, and I, I know sometimes the lines draw, you're a plaintiff guy, you're a defense guy. And this is an organization, it's not just for the plaintiff guy.
3: This is this is not a plaintiff's personal injury or medical malpractice group. This is a public interest law firm. The Public Justice Foundation funds the Public Justice PC law firm. We have uh, staff attorneys, but our model is to work with cooperating counsel all over the country. Wherever a case can be fought, and we have a case that can fight... We will supply the expertise in preemption issues, in arbitration issues, in any type of an issue. We will come in as co-counsel with a local attorney to provide the expertise in these public interest arena areas. Interest that an individual attorney probably doesn't see but once in a lifetime, and if they don't do the right job, can really hurt their client, but more importantly, create bad precedent. That's what we're trying to fight. We want to make sure that we can provide the expertise to level the playing field with some of the huge corporations that do this on a daily basis and try to abuse the individual by doing that.
1: Well, you know, we're talking, and I think you've been mentioning, these so-called contracts of adhesion. A lot of these folks out there, and I just saw one come in front of me the other day, almost every new contract in any area calls for arbitration as opposed to any ability to go into the court system. Uh, that seems to be the uh, the way everything's going. And how is your organization fighting that? That that's that that's a tough one, I would assume. It, it's a tough fight. But it's one of our most important fights. We have an entire department or
3: group within our organization fighting the mandatory arbitration. It's very interesting. We just fought this in California in one of the bigger cases. The defendants will bring on experts saying how arbitration is wonderful and why should you be able to go to the courts and the arbitration cause is effective, and yet. With a company that has 50 million subscribers, the highest complaint rate in the country, in the telephone industry, they've only had 30 matters ever brought to arbitration. Why? They control the arbitr- arbitrators. The people don't aren't familiar with it. Lawyers won't go in there. They want to try and deny you the right to a class action. So you go in there on one claim into an arbitration. Arbitration is not fair. The arbitrators repeatedly work with the defendants quite often it's not a fair system they basically, it's not a good they basically system. pick them don't they i mean they 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 get to pick them and they pay them, and they the arbitrators know that they may get picked in the future i don 't right. want to say no right. names I but that's what 's going on and mm-hmm. it's a, in California, there are some hospitals that in order to get medical care, you not only sign a consent to be treated by a doctor or nurse now you sign a consent that you 're going to arbitrate your claim when they mess it up right well how how would you like to be in? you know, you're you're bleeding on a gurney, your Mm -hmm. legs are broken, you've been out on an auto accident, and say, oh, and here, by the way, sign away your right to bring us into court in case we do anything wrong. It's
1: outrageous. Hmm. And you're fighting it. We're fighting it. and
3: (laughs) And fortunately, when we are able to bring it in front of a judge and show a true record that Public Justice Foundation can help you present, we are able to win a good number of those cases. Because when the When someone has to look at the objective evidence, they realize how unfair it is.
2: I'm going to put you on the spot here, Jeff, because I get asked this question all the time, and I don't always have a good answer. Obviously, I know a lot of attorneys. I know a lot of plaintiff attorneys. What could the average person, though, not a person with a lawsuit filing, not an attorney, uh, do to address this injustice that's going on with health care and other types of denied access to the courthouse?
3: One of the things they have to do is become a voice. Speak out. This country is based on the popular, the electorate. We all speak. Go to your legislators and tell them you don't want your rights taken away. You want your keys to the courthouse door. You want the ability to bring your suits and you want the courthouses to be open and equal to all of us. Blind justice for everybody. But we should all be equal in front of the eyes of the law, and the big corporations should not control all the power. You have to talk to the legislatures. You have to talk to the people that are going to carry your voice to the capitals of this country.
1: Well, you know, people also need leadership, though. I mean, most people uh, don't do it on their own. And that comes back to the whole area of the political climate. Uh, I'm sure that a lot of these issues you're talking about... Have some, to, to some degree, have, uh, have a basis in which political party is in control of, of various legislatures or, or even even courts in terms of uh, ele- the elected uh, judges. What are you doing about that? Well, now
3: we're back outside of public justice because right. public justice does not uh, lobby. We don't do any work in that or We are only litigators. Mm-hmm. Personally and in other organizations that I'm very involved mm-hmm. with, we're obviously carrying on the fight, a president that does not recognize the Constitution of this country, I don't think should be serving and representing us. This country was founded on the Constitution. What he is saying is we can hold detainees in Guantanamo and other places without a hearing and deny us habeas corpus. Habeas corpus goes back almost to the Magna Carta. It's a basic principle. And our current Attorney General said, I know the Constitution says you shall not abridge habeas corpus. We're not going to just... Uh, Bridget, we're going to eliminate it. And eliminating it is not barred by the Constitution. That's outrageous. This country needs those protections. We all need those protections. And I don't think our country should set the standard. I think we should set the standard in the world. And I don't think we want to set the standard in the world of allowing any type of torture, any type of containment or detain- detention without a person being faced with charges. And knowing what those charges are in an open forum represented
1: by counsel. So I guess that uh, I take that as a, a vote for the Democrats. Uh, In general, you you could say that. (laughs) (laughs) Executive privilege. Yes. Yes. (laughs)
3: exactly.
1: Well, you know, the political climate talks, you know, is is all involved in the area of tort reform. Obviously, the Republicans have been pushing for tort reform. Uh, There's a lot of business interest behind uh, their whole whole entity. And, of course, the Democrats have been trying to fight the battle uh, the other way on the other side. Where do you see tort reform going generally in the next uh, five years or so?
3: Well, obviously, the fight is going to continue. They're trying to get more and more tort reform. Why? Because big business will make more money at the expense of a little individual. So obviously, it's in their interest to continue tort reform. And it's, I, I like to think of it as not tort reform. It's tort deform. We've had a great tort system in this country that has allowed the individual, since Abraham Lincoln was tried, the first medical malpractice case in Illinois, the injured individual to protect his rights and go into court under our tort system. What they want to do is deform it. They want to take it away and they want to make sure, A, you can't get into a court. They want to eliminate your ability to get into a court. And if you get into a court, we're going to say, we're going to limit the amount of damages you can fare, e- seek, even though when we sue you or we sue one of our other corporations, because we're a big multi billion dollar corporation, we don't have any limits. We are not, you know, we don't need limits. But you little people who we've maimed and injured and paralyzed and put in comas for your life, you need limits. You, you don't know enough. And the jury won't be bright enough for you, but they will be bright enough for us.
1: Well, as you can see, our guest, uh, Jeff Goldberg, has absolutely no opinions. But uh, <laughs> but I think we'll take a short break right now. And when we get back, we'll talk a lot more with uh, Jeff and also with Ken Claypack. And uh, we'll get a little more heavily involved in the whole medical malpractice arena again. We'll come back to that. We'll be right back.
0: This is Ringler Radio, internet radio from Ringler Associates, Quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Experience counts. Over 130,000 cases structured. This is Ringler Radio, internet radio from Ringler Associates. Placing more than $18 billion in structures over the past 30 years and one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Ringler Associates, the only broker you need. Listen to all the Ringler Radio shows. Just go to RinglerAssociates.com and click on Ringler Radio and choose a topic. Ringler Radio is produced by broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. Did you know you can download Ringler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the Legal Talk Network. It's free. We invite you to listen to our other shows on the Legal Talk Network and become a member. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. Did you know Ringler Radio is one of the top 3 rated shows in iTunes thanks to all of our listeners who download all the Ringler Radio shows. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General structured settlements. Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, Mass Mutual, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Did you know that Legal Talk Network shows are also available as CLE, including Ringler Radio? Visit Law.com's CLE Center at www.clecenter.com. That's clecenter.com to enjoy listening and get CLE credit.
1: Welcome back to Ringler Radio. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, and I've uh, been joined today by my co host, Ken Claypack. And it's great to have Ken here because he also is a personal uh, friend of our special guest, Jeff Goldberg. And uh, it's always good to have Jeff here. Uh, both of them are based in Chicago. And uh, Jeff's, of course, a leader in the whole area of medical malpractice, especially here in Chicago. Well, here's a broad question for you, uh, Jeff What does the healthcare industry have to do to improve uh, conditions?
3: Well, and, and you're giving me 30 seconds to respond to that. That's, thank you, you very I'm much. I'm going to give
1: you two and a half minutes. Go uh, ahead. There, there
3: you go. I, I think it's a it, – obviously, it's a very, very broad question. It, it starts with education, and we need to have the best quality doctors, nurses, technicians, and that that we can. We can't keep looking to lower the cost to the healthcare care industry by having lower standard credentialed people performing services. We need to make sure that all hospitals don't provide all services. There are some areas of this country where too many hospitals are trying to compete by buying this newest technology. They don't use it often enough, and their people are not doing it well. We need to concentrate some of those things in areas where they they have a sufficient demand, not just from a financial point, from a practical point of view, to use this.
1: Well, how do you counter the argument that's made on the other side of the of the, of the table, that says that a lot of the expense of medicine is being done uh, as defensive medicine in reaction to lawsuits that are coming at them. So so the doctors and the hospitals have to use the technology and the procedures to hopefully prevent someone like yourself suing on behalf of a claimant.
3: I I think it would be very interesting to have a doctor sit there on the stand or sit there under oath in front of some lobby and say, yeah, I was ordering these tests not because I thought I needed them to make the diagnosis but because I might be sued if I was wrong. I don't think it happens as much as they'd like to make us think that it does. If the doctor is comfortable with his decision, then he's going to make the decision without doing more tests. If he really is uncomfortable or needs those tests, then the patient needs those tests to have it done. So I don't think there's much of that. I think the use of technology... We, and a lot of the New England Journal of Medicine studies, a lot of studies out of major institutions have shown that a lot of testing is done totally unnecessarily because of counter uh, the, the conflict of interest between who owns the equipment and who's ordering the tests. And a lot of that goes on. And let's face it, we know that goes on. We look at. Where the healthcare industry has t- said how long you can be in the hospital for a particular procedure. Well, quite honestly, I want my doctor to tell me how long I need to be in the hospital, not a healthcare industry that's four states away and hasn't seen me and doesn't know my name. Right. I want to be treated by a reasonably qualified person, not what the industry, the insurance industry says that job can be performed by someone with only this education. Well, if I want someone with more education, I want the option of being able to get that person, and we need to have that. We also need to have fair compensation for the people. Some of the executives in the healthcare industry and in the HMO industry are flying around in multimillion-dollar airplanes and jets all over the country and have 14 homes, while the people in the street, the EMTs that are working on the streets, the doctors and nurses in some of the emergency rooms are not being fairly compensated. We need to be equalize all of that. But more importantly, we need to educate and have recurrent education for the doctors and nurses, and the tort system Make sure that everyone will know they are responsible. And if we limit the tort system, then there is no ability to hold them accountable. And without being held accountable, then they have unleashed power. And we know what happens with power unleashed.
2: Jeff, with defensive medicine, Larry alluded to this. You touched on it. I think what everyone's asking for is we want to be treated like the doctor would treat a friend, a loved one. Nothing more, nothing less. So that doctor should order the test that he or she deems sufficient to either rule in or rule out an illness, correct? I think we want to be
3: treated not only like the doctor would treat a loved one or a friend, we want them to be treated like the doctor would want himself to be treated or herself to be treated. We want them to use the judgment that they would want someone caring for themselves to use. We want to know that the communication is open. We want to know that the nurses interpreting fetal heart tone monitor tapes do it on a regular basis, and know how to do it. Not like we see quite often in our cases where a nurse is assigned to that job once in a while and doesn't know what she's doing and has not been trained for it.
2: Interesting. Do you see the caps on non-economic, non-economic damages? State issue, federal issue, both? Well, currently there, are, it is a state issue,
3: although it is an issue being fought federally all over we have not passed there have not been passed a federal cap on medical malpractice damages or tort damages in general it has been so far a state-by-state state issue uh, but of course the fight is being taken to washington
1: well you know in the few minutes we have remaining jeff you've been very active in the american association for justice and we have we're here at the convention tell us about what's uh, what's been going on over there in the last few days and uh, how's it been going
3: it in the last few days it's been phenomenal. I go to this seminar or this convention every year for the last twenty years. It is one of the best educational seminars for any of us. There are sessions starting, they have the sunrise litigation session, that starts about six thirty in the morning. There are sessions going on till six o'clock at night. I only wish I could attend more sessions that I do. It's educationally one of the best avenues in the place. Plus also a lot of us have practice I practice in Illinois. I've got friends that are in California in New York, we get a chance to come together, to share ideas, to share what's going on, to become aware so that I know what's going on in California, what may hit Illinois soon, and vice versa. So educationally, intellectually, uh, keeping us aware is just a wonderful thing.
1: Plus, plus, it's also a great social environment because you as lawyers get to know each other a little bit better. You can share information. You can uh, go back and forth. Uh, it's always better when you when you touch and, and see people right up close. Touch and
3: see. And you know somebody in California or D.C. or Kentucky that can help you once in a while, and you in turn can help them. We do work together. We work cooperatively, and we need to to band together to deal with the multinational corporations.
1: You're also seeing an explosion, aren't you, in the use of technology just to communicate and to share uh, information about cases back and forth. Today, it's a lot easier than it used to be. It's a lot easier to share depositions, to
3: share transcripts of hearings and trials. We can electronically transmit them within minutes of the d- transcript even being taken by the court reporter. It's a wonderful thing. I wish I was 20 years younger and I might understand
1: how to use some of this stuff. <laughs> well, why don't you ask Ken? I'm sure he'll help you. Someone's got to teach me first. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. I think we're about at the uh, end of our time. Uh, you know, I want to thank you, Jeff, for you know what I think was a very sobering assessment of the healthcare industry and uh, what's happening out there. And I wish, wish you good luck with the with the cap with the cap uh, issue here in Illinois. And uh, I guess I can speak for Ken by saying you know you're a true champion for the for the little fellow out there who's trying to make it make it work, especially in the healthcare field. Thank you very much. Thanks, Larry and Ken.
2: Thanks, Jeff. Uh, quickly, is there a website or a phone number where uh, people can reach you directly?
3: Sure. Our website is uh, goldberglaw.com, and our phone number here in Chicago is 312-236-4146.
2: And how about Public Justice Foundation? Publicjustice.com.
1: And Ken, how do they reach you?
2: They can reach me at one uh, 800 or Claypeck at wringlerassociates.com. All right. You remember,
1: everyone out there, you can reach any of the Ringler Associates by going to wringlerassociates.com. That's where you can find me. I'm Larry Cohen, your host, and I'd like to remind all of you out there to uh, take what Jeff said to heart. It's uh, a real struggle out there for a lot of the people in this country. And uh, in the meantime, go out and have a great day.
0: Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Ringler Associates, experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, Mass Mutual, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential.